Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. I'm going to be reading out of Revelation 3 in a moment. I have a, a message for you today that's somewhat of a companion message to the one I shared last week. If you remember last week, I, I began sharing with you uh, a, a promise of a revival and national awakening in America. How many are praying for that to happen for this country? I certainly am. It's a great promise. At the same time, I, I'm hearing these other pretty graphic uh, expectations, maybe prophetic words, of, of some real crisis on this nation. And as I studied that and prayed over that, the message last week was simply both of those are available. And how the church responds will determine which one our future will bring to us. And so I've encouraged us and challenged us to recognize this moment, to be in prayer, uh, praying with a way and an earnestness maybe greater than we ever have before. And that's important that we are there. Today, I want to come into this message, and I believe it just is a companion to this. Last week and today, I want to tell you, these messages are strong. These messages are strong medicine. How many hear what I'm saying? We need to hear something from the Lord. These are not ordinary times. As the Holy Spirit was, was opening this message to me during this week, uh, I said, Lord, this is pretty strong. And, and, and like he didn't know. You know. Do you ever give God advice and realize, what am I saying? You know, uh, but but we, we, you know, we're human, aren't we? I said, Lord, this is pretty strong. And he said, I know. And I said, but it, you know, I, all I do is obey. I'm, I, I carry your mail. And we're going to do it. I believe God has something for us today that's going to help us. It's going to help the church. It's for you and me. Somebody say me. It's for me. It's for this church. Say my church. And I believe we can affect the nation by the way we're responding to these messages. There's a question that has become the question of 2020. Here it is. What's your temperature? <laughs> What's your temperature? It is the question of 2020. How many of you have looked at one of these more than you ever have in your life? I have had my temperature taken more times in 2020 than all my years together. And I've been living a while. It's the new question. The answer to this question can stop everything. If you answer this question wrong, you can't go in a restaurant. You can't serve in a certain place. There are places you can't go. What's your temperature? Now, we're using these digital things now. You can put it here, push the trigger, and there it is. It reminds me as a young boy. Now, this will make my mom and dad are both in heaven. Thank God. But it would have caused you to pray for them more to know they had me as a son. I remember the old-fashioned thermometers. Remember those thermometers you actually put in your mouth instead of digital? Well, here's a little thing I learned. You know, sometimes, as young boys will do, I didn't want to go to school. So I would kind of act like I was sick when I wasn't sick. I didn't do it all the time. Don't judge me. But there were some days I just didn't want to go. But my mom would always ask me the question, what's your temperature? And if I had a fever, I could stay home. If I didn't, I was in trouble. So I learned a little trick. Don't tell the kids. See, they're over in children's church. Don't tell them this. And so I had that old-fashioned thermometer. Mom would put it in my mouth. You have to, you know, it takes a little while. She'd leave the room. I'd get that thermometer and rub it on the sheet. You know, you can build some friction up like that. And, and you know, she'd come back in. Oh, George, you've got a fever. Yes, ma'am. And she'd, okay, you're staying home today. Everything was going well until one day I got excited and overdid it. Da, 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 da. She came in. I had 109 degrees. Woo! They were going to take me to the emergency room and call. I said, Mom, 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 I'm sorry. Uh, uh, I may have done something. And so that trick was over for me. But we, we, we don't have those. It's this. 
And that question has become the question of this year. What's your temperature? You know, oftentimes, what's happening in, in the natural may be an indication of something God wants to do in the spiritual. And the message I want to bring us today is, what's your spiritual temperature? If I could walk up to each one of us, take your temperature, what would it read? What would I see? What's my spiritual temperature? There's a biblical precedent for asking this question. There's a biblical precedent for uh, our temperature spiritually, letting us know how we are. The last book in the Bible, the book of Revelation, was a revelation given to John the Apostle. He had been exiled. That's a nice word to say. He had been imprisoned on the Isle of Patmos. It was a rocky, outcropping, barren little island in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. It wasn't a vacation spot. It wasn't a place where the modern-day Mediterranean cruises stop and let their passengers off for a nice day by the beach. It was a prison compound. The only good Patmos had in that day, basically, was a prison outpost. And why was John the apostle there? Because it's the only place they could send him. Because everywhere he would go, he would preach the gospel with no fear for his life. When you read this beginning and this encounter John had, I'm fascinated because here's this man imprisoned by himself in a remote island. It could be a hopeless situation, but I love what it says. The Bible says this. John said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. There was something so important to this man. He knew what day it was. John said it's Sunday. Come on, we've lost this in America. We, we have so many options, and we put God in so many boxes. We watered so many things down. Come on, how many are with me right now? That, that oh, pastor, every day is a good day. Well, it is, and every day I can serve God, and you can. And God's with me everywhere I go, and he is. But I'm going to tell you there's still something in the Word of God about honoring the Lord's day. And this man's on that island, and he said, it's the Lord's day, and I was in the Spirit. He made church where he was. He was honoring God. And this is what came to him, a revelation of Jesus Christ. And he said this. He said, John, I want you to write what you've seen. I want you to write what now is. And I want you to write what's later to come. And then God gave him seven letters, one for seven different churches. Each individual, each a word of reprimand or encouragement. These were literal churches under John's apostleship. But as we read them, he said, John, this speaks to the later days too. This speaks to churches that are to come. This is the precedent I want to give you for asking us today, what's our spiritual temperature? Turn to Revelation 3 and verse 14 with me, and let's read this letter to the church in Laodicea. Verse 14 says, to the angel of the church and Laodicea right. Someone might say, well, pastor, why did he send it to an angel? Well, earlier in this, uh, in chapter one, uh, the Bible tells us that the angel was the messenger of that church. Most translated, the pastor. I've been called a lot of names. Very rarely I've been called an angel. But you know, if you want to call me an angel, that's okay. But you know what the definition of an angel is, don't you? Someone who's always up in the air harping about things. But anyway, let's go on. So he says, this is my message to the church. I've got a message for that church. He says, these are the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. Now watch this. Watch this, guys. I know your deeds, your works. 
I see what you're doing on the outside. You with me? I see your public image. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. What's your temperature? You're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. That's pretty shocking. God says, I wish you were one or the other. What does that mean? Well, he said, so because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. How would God say it's better to be cold than lukewarm? Here's what he's saying. I wish you were aware of your condition. I wish you knew where you really were. I wish you would let me take your spiritual temperature. Because if you're hot, you know it. And if you're cold, you know it. But the problem is this middle of the road, lukewarm, that's going to get you into trouble. I wish you knew your condition, he's saying. He said, there's a problem. I've come to take your temperature. God's come to make a house call. He says, the fact you're lukewarm is pretty uh, grievous, grievous here. He says, I'm going to do what? Wow, this is God. I'm, God says, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Verse 17, this is a shocking verse. This is the problem with being lukewarm. He says, you say, their image of themselves, you say, I'm rich. I have acquired wealth. Look at this. And do not need a thing. Wow. I don't need any help. I'm just fine. Everything's good here. Okay. He says, but you do not realize your true condition. Slow down and let me take your temperature. Sit down for a minute and let's talk. He says, you say this, but this is what God sees. Look at this. It's, It's shocking. They are polar opposites. He says, but you do not realize that you are, look at this, look at this verbiage, wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Wretched, poor, pitiful, blind, naked. These are the guys saying, we're cool. All is well at this church. Everything's good, man. We got it going on. What a challenge. What a controversy. He says, verse 18, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire. What kind of gold is that? So that you can become rich. The word says there's something greater than gold. It's my faith. When it's refined in the fire and proven to be genuine. He says, I don't want your money. I want to know what your faith is like. I want you to be rich in faith. I want you to be men and women who walk through the fire and said, I'm going to be faithful to God. Then he says, you need to cover yourself with white. That means righteous robes of salvation instead of your shameful nakedness. And put salve on your eyes so you can see because your vision's way off. He continues, and thank God for verse 19, (laughs) but look at the heart of God. Those whom I love. Do you know why he said, I came to make a house call, and I want to take your temperature, and I want to walk into your life, and I want you to listen to what I'm saying? It's not listen to me because God's mad. It's not because God's angry. It's because he loves them too much to leave them alone. I can't leave you in this condition. You're in trouble. He says, I'm here because I love you. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. Boy, did you hear that? (laughs) Well, I thought if God loved me, I've been fed. I've been fed this modern gospel that if God loves me, I can do whatever I want to do and everything's okay. 
Well, that may be a modern gospel, but it's not the one in the Bible. He said, so be earnest and repent. What's the cure of lukewarm? I've got to repent. Then he says, in verse 20, this is amazing to me, here I am, he said. You know what? He hadn't left those people. He wasn't away from them. But he says, here I am. But the problem is, and I'll come back to this, he said, I stand at the door. But he was outside the door because I'm having to knock. The church had shut him out. They were going through the motions, and he wasn't even there, and they didn't even know it. He says, I'm here. I haven't left you, but you've left me. I haven't abandoned you, but you've abandoned me. I see your deeds, but I'm not even in it. I'm outside the door knocking. But he said, if you'll hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in and sit down and eat with you, and we'll have fellowship again. So you see the issue with this church is that their temperature was off. Something was missing. The term lukewarm was the problem. And what he's saying is this, that once you were hot, this word for hot is boiling, fiery, zealous. Do you remember when you first met Jesus? Can I tell you something? This is going to be a radical statement, but all day is radical here. I want to tell you something. If you've never been on fire from, for God, you've never met Jesus. You may have had a lukewarm dose of church, but you've never... Listen, if you haven't walked into His grace and been forgiven by His mercy and know what it's like to be clean for the first time in your life and feel the Holy Spirit come inside of you and light a fire, if you've never had fire, you've never known Jesus, you need to have a fire go down inside of you. My God. But he said, that's how you started, but that's not where you are. I've come to take your temperature because you're not hot anymore. You're not cold enough to recognize it, but you're stuck in this place called lukewarm. How does something that was, <clears throat> excuse my voice today, but how does something boiling hot become lukewarm? Well, only two ways that can happen. Either you mix cold with the hot or you took it off the source and set it over and it got just by neglect. How does a Christian become lukewarm? How does someone go through the motions and become lukewarm? How does somebody go to church? This is a church. This isn't a bunch of sinners and heathens. This is the church. And Jesus is not even in that building. How does that happen? How does a fiery person become lukewarm? Well, we mix something. We mix opposite things together. We start including things in our lifestyle that don't line up with the Word of God. I know some people may call this old school. It may just be old word is what we need to get back to in the kingdom of God. You see, well, we, I've mixed some things that don't go together. We've added some things to the gospel. We said, well, this is 2020. Are you telling me that it's, I can't do this and I'm a Christian and I love Jesus and I want to go to heaven, but he knows it. Listen, when did we start putting philosophy and culture in with the gospel? When did we start letting Hollywood tell us what the gospel is when did we start letting government tell us what the gospel is when did we start letting somebody mix this stuff with the word we preach he said you're lukewarm because you were on fire and you've mixed something with your gospel you're lukewarm now you're lukewarm because you used to stay connected to me you had a prayer life 
You read my word. You got up in the morning and, and you started the day and breathed the air of my presence. And you walked in my word and we talked together. You, you walked with me and you talked with me and you told me I was your own. I, and, and, and you quit walking with him. We neglected him. We got off the stove. We moved off the fire. Listen, I've, I've, got, I've gone so far now, I'm going to go all the way. There are people home today that are sick and you ought to be home. There are people with pre-existing conditions and you ought to be home. There are people that need to be away from others right now. Do what the doctors say. You're right. There's no guilt. There's no shame. But I'm going to tell you, there are a lot of people right now that eight months ago they were in church and here they're not in church anymore. And it's not because you're sick and it's not because you can't come it's because you've neglected the fire of God and now what was your life's not your life anymore and what abnormal become normal for us in our faith something needs to touch us again neglect 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 it wasn't an overt decision we didn't say I don't need Jesus we didn't say I don't need his word what's happened to us we neglected the presence of God another word for this lukewarmness is fluctuation fluctuate what does that mean it means one day i'm hot and the next day i'm cold it means one sunday i'm praising and loving jesus and the next sunday i'm rolled up in my bed whining and crying <laughs> come on don't shout me listen listen i i know i'm doing god if you don't amen me i'll amen myself today preach just preach pastor preach because some of you old school hankies get them out see i i i'm carrying the mail i didn't write the letter but i'm going to bring the mail today and you know why I'm going to bring the mail? Because God loves us enough to make a house call at Calvary today. And I love you enough to do what he told me to do. It's his word. We're fluctuating. We're up and down. Listen, I, 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 looked, I, I did a little look in the medical journals from Mayo Clinic. Well respected. And there's a condition called hypothermia. It's when you've been exposed to too much cold. It's when you've mixed too much cold with a healthy condition. Notice this. I told you oftentimes a physical situation has a spiritual parallel. Listen to this. Hypothermia, a person that says someone with hypothermia usually isn't aware of his or her condition. The symptoms begin gradually, little by little, neglect by neglect, mixture by mixture, bad decision by bad decision. Exposed here and there. It's so gradually happening to me, I don't know my condition. I think I'm okay. I'm Revelation 3.17. I don't need a thing. It's good. We're good, Jesus. Huh? Listen to this. It says, as a result, confused thinking prevents self-awareness. My thinking gets so clouded by my cold condition, I'm not aware of what's happening to me. The confused thinking can also lead, listen to this, to risk-taking behavior. Oh, God. We've gotten so lukewarm, we're making decisions we would have never made before. We're, we are having behavior that is completely dangerous and risky. You know that person, <laughs> that person you, you used to wouldn't consider going out on a date with? <laughs> You're right there with them now. 
but you've added enough mixture into the gospel where you're saying, well, I'm witnessing to them. Well, you, are you on a date or a missionary? You need to make your mind of which one you're going to do. That conversation at the office, I'm not planning on being unfaithful to my spouse. Well, you've talked to that person at the office three times as much as you've talked to your spouse this week. Well, you've been on Facebook three times longer than you've had your face in the book this week. And you wonder why I'm having trouble. I don't know why I've got to preach this today, but I'm going to preach. So, so let, let, me, let me tell you what else the Mayo Clinic said. They said the problem is that when your body temperature drops this low, your heart. See, so he said, I see your deed. It's your heart that I'm worried about. It, your deeds are all right, but I need to take your temperature. Your heart's in trouble. You are exhibiting a system, a symptom that can kill you. If we don't do something about it, we've got to respond. This Mayo Clinic says that your heart begins to fail, it can complete failure of your heart and nervous system and eventually lead to your death when you become cold enough and don't do something about it. See, it's like this. The biggest mistake of your life, you know that thing where you said, dear God, if I could get that day back. The biggest mistake you ever made when you said, what was I thinking? How could I have done that? That big mistake was preceded by a series of many small mixtures with what you once knew to be the truth of God's Word. See, just because the Bible doesn't say don't do it doesn't mean you got the right to do it. I'm going to say that on this side of the pulpit. Just because the Bible doesn't specifically say don't do it doesn't mean the right you have to do it. It's this mixture. It's this thing. Living on the edge of what's permissible so long that you fell off and you didn't know it. It's like Samson. This man, the Spirit of God would come on him. He would do great exploits. God used him mightily. But he kept mixing his faith with ungodly women. He kept mixing the call with places he shouldn't be. He kept mixing the anointing on his life. He kept taking his call for granted. He kept using his gift. Listen, while his character was deteriorating, his character was failing, while his gift was operating, he was becoming lukewarm and he didn't even know it. And one day he told the secret of his strength and the anointing of God left him. And the Bible says the Spirit of God had left that man and he did not even know that God was gone lukewarm mixture a series of things that happened someone once was hot and burning zealous for God we neglected the things of God we mixed the things of God church God saying to his church what's our temperature Matthew 24 12 and 13 we read this these verses are very important Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Leave that there. Jesus' disciples said, Lord, what are the signs of the end time? You see, it's in Matthew 24. They're asking, Lord, what's it going to be like? And what's the end time? What are we going to see? He said, well, let me tell you one of the signs of the end time, the days we're living in. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Their fire and zeal and passion for God will become lukewarm. Why? Because he said, I wish you were hot or cold. I wish you knew your condition. 
I wish you could see what's going on. I love you too much to leave you like this. I've come to make a house call. I'm knocking on the door. You've got to wake up and see what's happening. What are they doing? He said, you, you, you don't know your condition. He said, there's so much wickedness that we look at the world and say, well, I'm not doing that at least. Well, at least I haven't done that. At least I'm not doing there. At least I'm not going in that place. It's causing our love to grow cold. Verse 13 tells us this, though. The promise, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Let that rattle some of your <laughs> theology a little bit uh, and rest on it. Let's go to John 18, 18. I thought this interesting verse in this context. I was reading this again this week and looking at these moments. And here we have Peter. What's the setting? This is the night Jesus was arrested. The Last Supper, you remember Jesus had said, you're going to betray me. And what did Peter say? Oh, Lord, ha, if all these bums give up on you, you can count on Peter. You know, if all these guys fake out, flake out, you can count on me, God. Oh, Peter's the rock. They arrest Jesus, and Peter runs for the hills like everyone else. He has a pang of regret. And the Bible uses an interesting term. It said, at a distance, he followed Jesus into the courtyard. Of the high priest. At a distance, that close, fiery presence of Jesus had now been replaced with a distant, lukewarm path. And he's standing at a distance. He's about to deny Jesus three times. And I thought it interesting the Bible begins in this verse. Remember, we're talking about temperature and says, It was cold. You better believe it's cold, baby. <laughs> when you've just denied Jesus. And you're following at a distance, it's cold. And the servants and officials stood around a fire they had made to keep warm. Peter also was standing with them, warming himself. You got to get this moment. See the irony of this moment. These are the people that just arrested Jesus, these are the people that are going to crucify Jesus, these are the people that are the enemies of the gospel. And here is Peter trying to warm his lukewarm self up at the fire of the enemy. Do you see the irony? No matter what you do, when lukewarm gets in your life, you'll never return to your zeal for God trying to warm at a false fire. I can't go to a fire built by the enemies of God and warm my soul. I cannot find a substitute fire to warm me in the cold season of my life. If I'm going to come back to Jesus, I'm going to come to the fire of the Holy Spirit or I'm never going to change. Anybody with me? What he said, the lukewarm made him nauseous. God spit them out of his mouth. I don't want to be graphic, but I have to be faithful. The Greek word, I guess the translators struggled to say it. It's not spit, it's vomit. Vomit. He said lukewarm literally nauseated him. Made him sick. Have you ever seen someone you love hurt and you almost get sick? Have you ever seen someone suffering you love and you physically almost get sick with them? That's what happened. He said, I love you guys. I sent my son to die on the cross for you guys. I'd do anything for you. And you're ruining yourself. You're mixing. You're neglecting. You're, you're, you're departing from the gospel. And he said, my care for you. I, 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 can't, I can't say lukewarm's okay. I can't affirm it. 
I'm not going to be codependent with you and say it's okay. It doesn't matter. It matters. I'm violently ill because of my concern for where you are. They said we're okay. God says it's not okay. He says you're wretched. One translation makes that term miserable. Have you ever seen a culture more miserable than the one we live in right now? Come on, tell the truth. This is the most miserable bunch of people I've ever seen in my life. Everybody's unhappy. Everybody's got a complaint. Everybody's paranoid. Everybody, I, I mean, I've never seen anything like it. We, we, we don't vote for candidates. We vote against candidates. People that used to go to church don't go to church, and they're home miserable, but they're mad at the church. Go figure that out. Miserable. Miserable. People that have been unfaithful to their spouse find other people that are unfaithful to their spouse and are all miserable together. <laughs> miserable. We're in a miserable culture. You know why? Because it's lukewarm. Because we neglected our walk with God. We, we've mixed things in this beautiful faith that never belong. Something's wrong. It's not normal. Listen, I've got some good news for us today. It's not normal to be miserable. It's not normal to be wretched. It's not normal to be pitiful. There is a life that Jesus has for us that is full of the joy of the Lord as our strength, the peace of God that passes understanding, the closeness of his presence. God is good, and he's for us, but we've got to open the door. Let him come back into his church. What's your temperature? Well, I wonder if I could take temperature. I wonder if I could go to Judas sitting in that last supper. Say, so Judas, come here. Let me, let me take your temperature. Woo, Judas, do you know how sick you are? Do, do, let, let me do it again, Judas. Whoa, buddy, you're in trouble. But you know what Judas said? He said, no, man, I'm good. Oh, Judas, wait, Judas, no, I don't need it. Where'd you get that? Something wrong with that. You know what we do? Something wrong with that thermometer. It's not me, it's the thermometer. Oh, is that it? It's not me. You need to put some new batteries. You must have ordered that thing from China. That thing's no good. What's wrong with that thing, man? What's up with you, dude? Get that thermometer out of my face. No, Judas, I think. Judas, you're in trouble, Judas. You, you, you got to do something, Judas. Wow. There was a young man that was with Paul, the missionary, called as a young mission. Training, young apostle in training. His name was Demas. He's got a terrible epitaph. What a legacy, unfortunately. Paul's writing, he says, Demas has forsaken me because he loved this world. Can you imagine that young man? When he started on that missionary journey, boy, I'm going to go with Paul. We're going to go to the nations and preach the gospel. Paul prays for the sick and they come back. He's a mighty man of God. I can't believe I get to go with Paul. We're going on a missionary journey. We're going to preach the gospel to places that have never heard the name of Jesus. What an honor. What a privilege. I can't believe I'm going to go with Paul and preach the gospel. Come here, Demas. Oh, Demas. Demas. Did you hear it beep? Demas. Something's wrong with you, man. Come here, sit down, Demas. Demas, no, 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 no. I'm good. I'm good. But, Dem but Demas, you're leaving the call. I'm good. I'm good. But Demas, Demas. Oh, you know, Demas is probably like some people today. Nobody here, of course. It says, man, what's up with you guys in that Bible? What do you mean the Bible? You guys are like these Bible people. What did God say? 
You, you, what, you're the Bible people. I mean, I mean this is 2020. Everybody else, no, no, you guys throw this Bible. You, you know, you people a little bit, you're a little over there at Calvary. I'm mean, like, you believe God hears prayers. You believe God answers prayers. Well, you, you, you're saying that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You, you Bible people. I mean, now you, 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 I, all you say, what does God say? You, you, Demas said, I've had enough of this Bible preaching. I want, I, I've got to get some of this world. I'm young. He loved the world. He mixed his faith. He neglected his call. He was gone. Here's the good news, verse 19. There's good news. Stay with me. There's good news. I told you this isn't for the faint of heart, but... Is strong medicine to help the church. How many say amen to that? He says, those whom I love, aren't you thankful? God, you love us. Come on. You ought to put your hands in the air right now and say, thank you for loving us, God. Those whom I love. Why did he write the letter? Was he mad? No. Was he angry? No. Why did he write the letter to the church and say, you've got to read this letter? It's kind of shocking to me. The only person on the planet who would listen to God and write the letter was a guy in prison on an island. Why didn't they hear it? Nobody could hear it. He said, I'm outside the door knocking. I've got a message for my church. I love my church. I want to help my church. I took their temperature and they're about to die. Somebody go help them. I love you, he said. And because I love you, what does he say? I rebuke and I discipline. I rebuke. What does that mean? The best translation of rebuke is convict. We don't do that in the church anymore. Everybody trains you. No, don't do that. Don't do that. No conviction. You're supposed to make everybody happy when they come to church. You're supposed to sit there and smile, rearrange the deck chairs on the love boat going to hell, and act like everything's okay. You need to just smile and say, I'm okay and you're okay. You're all going to go to heaven together. Everybody's going to make it. It doesn't matter what you do. Jesus knows and understands. He said, because I love you, I'm going to write you a letter that will convict you in your sin. He said, I love you too much to let you go. I saw you fiery, and now you've lost it, and I'm saying, please, I love you, conviction. I'm thankful for conviction. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. A church without conviction is a church that's walked away from the Holy Spirit. I remember the night I got saved. Let me tell you, I wasn't feeling comfortable. I wasn't happy and sappy. I was sitting on a pew about to wallow the pew into a sawdust. I was gripping the pew in front of me with white knuckles. I was convicted. I was realizing I'm away from God. Thank God he convicted me. Thank God I got up out of that seat. I didn't say I'm okay. I'm going to heaven. I realized sitting there, if my life doesn't change, I'm going to hell. And I went to an altar and I got saved. Thank God. God for conviction. A church without conviction is a church without the presence of God. He's there because he loves us. I love you. I love you, he said. I rebuke, I convict, I discipline. What can we do? He said, look, be earnest and repent. I love this next verse. We're going to close. What does he say? Verse 20, here I am. Here I am. You know, nowadays you hear it all the time. Everybody trying to find God on a journey. I'm on a journey. I'm on a journey. I'm on a, I'm on a self-awareness journey. I'm journeying through the religions of the world. I'm on a journey. 
Honey, you don't need to go on a journey. He's knocking on the door right now. He said, here I am. Here I am. Here I am. Here I am. I'm knocking on the door. Here I am. Here I am. Here I am. I haven't gone anywhere. You just shut the door. Listen, you got so used to doing life without me, you don't even know I'm gone anymore. You got so used to doing church without me, America, you don't even know I didn't come. I'm a guest at my own church. I'm not even in the house. You're so comfortable. I don't need anything. You don't even need me anymore. But despite all that, here I I am. I love you. I'm knocking. Let me in. I want to change your life. I want you to stand with me. Let's stand together today. I'm purposely giving us some time, a lot of time. Don't get excited in a hurry. Don't put your shoes back on yet. We're not going anywhere, right? Just hang in here with me. We need to do some important things right now. God, take our temperature today. You know why he's come to make a house call at Calvary? Because he loves us. Because he loves us. Because we're his church. I'm so thankful we're his church. I'm so thankful that we know him. Can anybody say amen today? I'm so thankful. Do you know what I believe God is doing? God's speaking to the church in America. God is saying, I want to do something big, but you got to go with me. I want to bring an awakening, but I can't awake you until you open the door to me. I can't bring the revival I want to bring till you repent and say, God, here I am. Will we let God... Take our temperature today. Will we look at what it says? Will we say, God, you're right? Will we throw down our excuses? Will we not say there's something wrong with that thermometer? There's not, the batteries aren't good. Or we just say, God, here's my life. Can I tell you something, church? Jesus changes everything. See, see what he's saying? I love you too much to let you live that half-hearted life. I grew up in church. And I sat on a church pew a prodigal son, because it's just easier to go than fight with my mom and dad. And I was miserable week after week, year after year. Apart from Jesus, your life's never going to be everything you want it to be. What I'm trying to tell you today and what the Lord is saying to us today, my life at the highest level is when I'm fully in love with him. When I say, Holy Spirit, rest on me. Fire of God burn inside of me. You see, right now, we're walking through an unprecedented year, and we're following guidelines and doing all we can, but I want you to understand something. You know what? I, 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 we're facing real issues, but this is what happens when Jesus is in your heart, when you're walking and you're full of the Holy Spirit. If somebody says, you may lose your job, you say, well, I don't want to, but if I have Jesus, I'm going to make it. Somebody might say, well, your friends are going to leave you, and you might say, well, I hope that doesn't happen, but I have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Somebody said, you're going to run out of money and you say, I don't want to, but I know Jehovah Jireh. He's my provider, God. Somebody says, everybody's going to get sick and die and we say, I hope not, but I know Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals all my diseases and I know the God who is with me, who is for me, who will never leave me and I refuse to live my life with that kind of God outside the door just knocking I say Jesus come in Jesus come in Jesus come in take my temperature check me out let me see myself I want to be real with you anybody with me in this house today we've got some time I planned it so you and I can come in the presence of Jesus come on let's enter in let's go to that place where we loved him more than we've ever loved him 
Let's make amen. That's good. That's good. Can we go to a place where you say, Lord, listen, I never want there to be a day where I loved you more than I loved you right now. I never want there to be a day in my life where I loved you more than I love you today. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.